All right, Father, just pray you bless the, the word as it comes forth. Lord, open my heart and my mouth. Lord, I have an audience of one. It's you, Jesus. I hope I please you with what I preach today, Jesus. I pray you touch the hearts of the people. We're all at different places, Lord, in our relationship to you. And I know because you are the living word of God, you have a word for everyone here. There's something that you want to say to every single person here. I just yield myself to the Holy Spirit and to you, Lord, as I bring the word forth. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'm going to hand out some notes. What I've noticed, I can, at times, move around pretty quickly. Anybody agree with that? And I've been admonished and, and uh, mentored and helped. I'm trying to... Oh, the kids got to go. We'll do that after this. I'm kind of... I'm trying to focus more or at least give you some notes you can hang on to and look at so you know what I'm trying to bring forth. So go ahead and raise your Just everybody take them. And when you go home, you can study uh, these notes and you can look them over. And I pray that you do. Oh, Joyce, you're, you're teaching today. Okay. You, okay. Are you going to go down and help with the Easter egg hunt? Okay, she's got it. Okay. Good. Any kids want to go to Sunday school? Just come on up front. Just come up with her, passing those out. Every week it's different. We had like 12 last week. I figured we'd have 20 this week. We've got about five. Another one? Here, go. Where'd all your buddies go? All right, Father, bless them as they go. In Jesus' name, Lord, open their hearts and minds to what they're learning. In Jesus' name, amen. They're all going to have about 20 eggs apiece now. <laughs> Joyce, if you'd like prayer later, I'll be here, okay? Okay. Everybody got one? Okay, got any musical fans out there? Anybody like music? Does anybody play the game? Um, like, see who can guess the song with the fewest notes. Anybody do that? Raise your hand. I know you do. It just you, you hear two beats and you want to... I do it all the time. In fact, when I preach Friday night, you know, I had a song on my, my mind. And then today, anybody ever hear a song? I wish I could play a few notes of it and see if you could guess it. But did anybody ever like Jim Croce? Yeah. Like, if you know who Jim Croce is, raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. If you're too young and you've never heard of him, raise your hand out there. You don't. Okay, we show our age a lot. Who, who was it? Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Friday night. Jim Croce. And young, yeah, and young. Not so much anymore. Jim Croce wrote a song, and I was thinking about this, and in fact, if I had to retitle my message, that's what I'd name my message, Photographs and Memories. Anybody remember that? Let me sing a few bars for you. No, you don't want me to sing that. <laughs> Photographs and Memories, and the song is about a guy singing about uh, lost romance. Anybody ever lost a girlfriend, boyfriend, anybody? The only one. Charlie, lost a few. <laughs> <laughs> I broke up with a lot of them when I was younger, and I paid for it when I got older, you know, I paid for it. 
But he had this song called Photographs and Memories, and it's all about past love. And, you know, and what he has left is photographs, and he has memories. And I was thinking, I was talking to Jeff and Evelyn uh, I don't know, last week, week before, about the gospel and about photographs and memories, but more even specifically about photographs and x-rays. And we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Easter. And I'm not just going to preach a shouting message. I can do that about the resurrection. Can't we get excited about the resurrection? If you're not excited about the resurrection, I'd say you're dead. Woo! If you're not excited, what it means, <clears throat> the word says you were on your way to an eternity separated from God. Amen? The Bible calls it hell. Can't rewrite the book. God's bigger than our understanding, and His ways are bigger than He's bigger. He is a sovereign God. He is a huge God. We cannot rewrite the book. People want to. We have churches that want to rewrite it. You can't do it. We were on our way to an eternity separated from God. God, through His Son, became a man, took on flesh and dwelt among us. He showed us in a perfect photograph. The Greek word in Hebrews 1.3, it's in your notes, is icon, the express image. Anybody ever heard of those icon uh, cameras? Anybody ever had an icon camera? That word icon, it can mean like a, a perfect image. Jesus showed us God's original intention. I read something this week, Jeff. Um, he said that the law was a shadow or it was an incomplete picture of Jesus. The law was the word of God. It was God, how God dealt with the Jewish nation to people that were spiritually dead. They weren't alive to God. It, the Bible says the law was a tutor. It was a restraint. It was a holding back from sin. You know, it, it was something to, like a, is it a kugel or a kugel? Just to kind of beat people, keep them in line until Jesus came. And ultimately, it should drive us to Jesus. And in fact, once Jesus came, the word clearly says, we are no longer under that law. Someone say Amen. You don't know how blessed you are because the word says if we break one of God's laws, we're guilty of all of them. How many knew that? Jesus came as a perfect photograph of the Father, and the word says that everywhere he went, he was anointed. That's uh, Acts 10:38. It's in your notes. Everywhere he went, he went about doing good. He was healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And it was really representing God's true heart. You know, God will judge. He will. He is a judge. One of his attributes is judgment. If you don't know that, that's why we have a guilty conscience. That's why some of us, some of us are afraid to die. We know that one day it is appointed unto man, you're all going to die. How many of you are over 50 and life just went fast? Anybody like just like that? The word says life is just like a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then poof, it's gone. I'm 62. I know I don't look it. Come on, someone humor me. Amen. But you know what? I cannot, it seems like just yesterday, I was, you know, getting out of high school and joining the Air Force, and, you know, I look in the mirror sometimes, and I just can't believe what I see. I was telling Kathy, sometimes I, I think, I don't look too bad, and other times I look in there, and I see an old man looking back at me. See a few wrinkles, few marks, uh, definitely less hair. You know, life is a vapor. It's, it's here for a little while and vanishes away. 
But thank God Jesus came, and everywhere he went, he was doing good and healing. He was actually representing the heart of the Father, because if he had not come, we would have been left like we were standing before God. And God is the judge, as I was saying. And the Word says, get this, the Word says that God, there will be a day of wrath. Now, how many thinks that's what God wants? He wants to pour out wrath on people. I think that's, that's not God's nature. But sin and the perfection of God and the righteousness of God, you read it in the Old and the New Testament, it calls for His judgment. But that's not his heart for humanity. Even though that may be an attribute of God, God's essential nature is what? Love. First John says it so. God is love. That's his default mechanism. And anything he's done in the earth, it is to drive us to repentance, put us back in right relationship with him, and so we could all have a personal relationship with him, which starts now and extends into eternity. That's what he's after. And if you don't have that relationship with God today, God wants to have one with you through Jesus Christ. The way has been made. Jesus said in John 14, 9, he says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? If you want to know how God thinks about you today, you really want to know, like, God, how, what do you think about me? I encourage you to look at Jesus. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet, and uh, there were some people that were opposing him and teasing him, and, and he called down fire out of heaven. Anybody remember that story? Literally, fire came down out of heaven and consumed the people that were mocking the prophet, the man of God. And when Jesus was walking on earth, we see this photograph of God's perfect will expressed. His apostles, his disciples didn't understand the true nature of what God really wanted. And so there were some people that were opposing them or asking them to leave the city. And he said, hey, Jesus, do you want us to call fire out of heaven and just zap them all? Anybody ever feel like you just think God ought to zap a whole bunch of people? I get stuff in my email all the time, and I got friends. I think that's what they want. They're like, God, zap them all. God's not into the zapping business right now. He's going to zap. God is in the salvation business. He's in the mercy business. He's in the forgiveness business, and thank God He is. You can thank God that He is. So Jesus said, hey, you guys that want to call down this lightning, he said, you don't even know what spirit you're speaking from. I did not come to condemn men, but I came to save men. And if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, that is his heart for you. He did not come to condemn men. I left my, uh, that magazine in the, in the office two weeks ago, and I wasn't getting on people, and, and, and I didn't know if anybody had said anything, but I had mentioned Will Smith, and I said, you know, the church needs to get off of the, the condemning business. I said, the only heart that people should have, when people make, unless you've never made a mistake in your life, Any, anybody out there never messed up, 
Anybody ever do something so fully, so stupid that you wouldn't want anybody to know? If God unveiled the picture right now, came into your life, and he unveiled, there's things you've done, would you want everybody here to see it? Man, I'm telling you, Lord, shut that thing right now. Because I don't want people, so who am I to throw a stone at somebody else? I understand people do wrong. We get it, right? I understand we live in a wicked world, and I, and I pray against wickedness. I do. But I just mentioned, guys, the church needs to get out of that condemning business, and we should be praying for this family. There's a lot of problems there, I perceive. And he, the man certainly made a mistake. I loved what Denzel Washington did. He went over and tried to talk to him and encourage him and you know, counsel him, mentor him. Denzel uh, has professed Christ. And I just love what he did, and some others did it too. I want to get out of the rock-throwing business because I don't want rocks thrown at me. You're not saying that, oh yeah, what he's done and what he did is okay. You're just saying that Jesus said, I did not come to condemn men. I did not come to, uh, I came to save people. And it's funny because, and I wanted to show you guys, yesterday in the mail, I do not subscribe to People Magazine. Anybody subscribe to People Magazine? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to throw a stone at you if you do. I don't subscribe to People Magazine, but I got one yesterday. I should say Pam got one. Out of nowhere, People Magazine. <laughs> hey, it had Pam's name on it. Come on now. Come on. It's the truth. No slinging stones, though. Not, not blaming Pam for that. It came at random. Guess whose picture was on the front of that magazine? Will and, Will and Jada. Yeah, Will and Jada. And uh, I just, that just reminded me to pray for him. And I've been praying for Will. I've been praying for Will a lot. I pray for people to repent. I pray for people to honor God in their lives. I pray for people, even politicians, you know, I, I pray for those that I don't agree with whatsoever. I pray for them because God told me to. He said, pray for them. When you start praying for people, it's hard to hate people you're praying for. You know, the cross, the, the word of God says, love your enemies. You know, that's what it says. That's God's, that's his heart. You're not saying God bless people in their evil. I pray quite the opposite. I'm asking God in our nation to bring repentance. I feel so sorry for kids in high schools. And again, I always say I don't know how Utica is per se. I think they're fairly good. But the things that kids are taught, kids are literally being taught when they're young. They're, they're, they want them to go through uh, classes in schools where they're just like three uh, or uh, uh, third grade or something and they're trying to figure out their gender. Isn't that stupid? That's just what damage we do to kids when we start pumping this immorality on them at a young age. So I'm not for that. And it's okay to speak out for truth, but we've got to be careful that we're not damning people and we're not reaching out a hand to those that don't know God, that we're not praying and interceding. So again, it's always okay. Jesus said, and this is my point I'm making, when he came on the earth, he revealed God. God's intention for humanity is salvation. God's intention for humanity is that he is seeking and saving the lost. But flip over to uh, uh, Revelation chapter 1. I, I'm gonna, I was going to start in John, but I'll, I'll go there. But after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, another picture of Jesus is emerging. 
Anybody remember the story of the transformation? What happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transformation? Anybody remember that story? What happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transformation? He glowed. What happened was the veil was kind of lifted off of his flesh, and they saw Jesus for who he really was. He was not just the Son of Man. Jesus was the Son of God. And when he was on that mountain, he just glowed with the brilliance and the presence of God. He was showing them, this is who I really am. Well, after he rose from the dead, this new picture of Jesus emerges, or a different picture in Revelation 1.5. I won't be reading all of these, but it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over all the kings of the earth. He was a lowly shepherd. He was an itinerant preacher when he was on the earth. He was humble. He didn't reply back. He turned the other cheek. He submitted to death. But now we find out that there's a different picture of Jesus emerging after the cross when Jesus died for our sins. And after his resurrection and after his ascension, we see a little different picture. We see that he's the king. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He says, do not be afraid, verse 18, I am the first and the last, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of hell and of death, or of Hades and of death. A little different picture, isn't it? There's something that happened when Jesus went to that cross, and we know that he bore our sins. The, the, most of the rest of my notes here that I have, and I do want you to study them. When you look at the picture of Jesus, you see him go to the cross. You see an innocent man die hanging up on the cross. You see him say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And you see what seemingly is total defeat. Jesus dies on the cross and he's buried. And for three days, all hope is lost for his disciples. But something happened that we did not see and the Bible says that the demons, the, that Satan and his demons did not count on. It was something they didn't plan on. There was something that happened in the invisible realm. I'll call that an x-ray. We saw the photograph. Of course, we're going to see, and only those that Jesus appeared to, they saw him raised from the dead. But no one here has seen Jesus, I don't believe, in the flesh anyway, has seen Jesus. But what we see in the gospel is an x-ray. What happened when Jesus died on the cross? What happened when Jesus was buried? What happened when he rose from the dead and he sent the Holy Spirit to us? It's like an x-ray. How many have heard me teach before on being in Christ? In Christ. And I don't want to repeat everything I've ever taught, but the word says, as Gideon mentioned this morning, if any man be in Christ, Christ, he's a new creation. He even says, old things have passed away in your life. Behold, all things have become new. And as a Christian, honestly, our adventure, the great adventure of following God and following Jesus is to find out, who have I become? There's something bigger in me than just me. I still got my flesh. I still have my weaknesses. I still get tired I still have my mind that I battle things. But God did something in Jesus so powerful, he said that I'm, I'm not who I used to be. There's a song by Brandon Heath. It's I'm not who I was. When Paul tells 
uh, to the church. He talks to the church. He says some Christians, they walk in the flesh. And what he means is they still walk after that person they were before Jesus redeemed them. He says some of them are like babies. They don't know the great privilege and honor it is to belong to God. They don't know what an honor it is to be a son of God. And I'm going to show you some of these things that the Lord did for us. Folks, it is amazing the honor and privilege that we have in Christ, but you got to put on your x-ray vision. How do we do that? Just people that have been, how do you put on your x-ray vision? I don't want to be just, you know, nebulous and unclear. How do you do it? How do you see as a Christian? You got to listen to the Spirit. How do we see? That's true. We listen in our hearts, right? By faith. We have faith through our hearts by the Spirit. We see these things by faith. The Holy Spirit is always bearing witness. Every time we go in the Word, when we're learning about Jesus, we should be seeing an x-ray. An x, what did Jesus do for me? Who am I now? What is my responsibility as a son of God? Who am I? I think most of us as Christians, and certainly I have, walk well below our privilege. Gideon, when I read those verses that say, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. I think, man, Lord, I want to walk in that. I really believe that's to a person that understands who they are and what God has done for them. Let me read you some of the things that Christ has done for us. You can go turn to your Bible. It's in your notes. I do like to read things in context. I do. I mean, I, and I encourage you, go into your notes later and read these in context because sometimes you pull something out of context. I can tell you, the way I'm using these scriptures, if you read them in context, they'll only be better. They'll only be bigger. You only get a greater picture of what I'm trying to say. I, I, my desire, my heart, Charlie, is that we see who we really are. Some of us, we say we're so depressed or life seems meaningless or it seems pointless or I'm afraid to die and I'm convinced we don't know who we are. First of all, if you're in Christ, you're going to live forever. The day that you accepted Christ, you decided right then that you were going to spend eternity with God. Christ came into your life and you're set if you continue to follow the Lord by His grace. In Hebrews 9, 12, it says, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood, the life is in the blood. He entered the most holy place one time forever. Get this. He has obtained eternal redemption for us. You've been redeemed eternally by the blood of Jesus. You don't have to worry about where you're going to go when you die. You don't have to worry about your future anymore because the blood of Jesus has washed away all your sins. And even that word redemption, it does have in view with eternal and eternity with God, but the word redemption itself means what? What does it mean, church? To buy back. We've been bought back by God. We no longer belong to the devil. He has nothing more to do with us. We no longer belong to evil. We now, because we chose to, belong to God. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. I, I hope that's how I'm, I want to convey this is good news. Maybe I need to smile more. I'm going to smile more. I need, I need to paint one of those little smiles on my face. Next scripture. 
For this is the x-ray vision. What did Jesus do for me? What happened in the spirit that I can't see with my natural eyes? What does is, what is my x-ray vision show me? What does it mean to be in Christ? It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I know we got some visitors today. How many of you knew that you became the righteousness of God when you gave your life to Jesus? I think that has something to do with your prayer life when we understand how God sees us now. I know we feel guilt and shame and sometimes our conscience bothers us so it's hard to go to God in faith. But there is a place in God where we can have confidence in what Jesus did for us and understand because of the blood of Jesus, because of the, what, the work of Christ, it is death, burial, and resurrection. God now sees us as righteous. Doesn't mean you're living totally perfectly. If God wanted us to be perfect in everything we did, I think we'd all be in a little bit of trouble. But he sees us through Jesus, and when you come, he says, what's going on, son? What do you want? Daughter, what do you want? What's going on? We become his righteousness. You could not preach enough on it. To be righteous means you've fallen out from underneath judgment. To be unrighteous means you're under judgment. You've fallen out. God has made us righteous. To be right before God means we don't have to come to God with a sense of inferiority or guilt or, or shame. We can come and say, because of what Jesus did in faith, I can come boldly before God and pray and fellowship with God. In the garden, Adam broke fellowship. I'm not going to preach all day. I could. These topics I'm giving you, I could preach all day on them. Each topic. When Adam sinned in the garden, he broke his relationship with God, which broke his fellowship with God. And, and, uh, but God still came back in the cool of the day and talked to him and walked with him. He made a sacrifice. They killed an animal, put the skins on him. God still wanted to, he gave grace to Adam, and he still fellowship with Adam. Through Jesus Christ, God has restored that fellowship with us. You don't have to run from God. You know what you should do if you sin and make a mistake? Run to God. Do not run away from Him. Don't run away from Him. That's Satan's strategy. Of course, we need to repent, confess what we've done wrong. But we need to run to God rather than run away from Him. He wants the fellowship. That's what His grace is all about. Next scripture. Therefore, we being buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is something nobody here has seen your burial with Jesus, have, have you? It's invisible. You have to have x-ray vision. You have to have Holy Spirit vision to see that. You were buried with him by baptism into death. That means your old sinful self was crucified, done away with. And you were raised up to walk in a new life. Isn't that exciting? You're different. How many, since you've come to Jesus, it's just a little tougher to sin? Like it bothers you a whole lot more. I used to do things so easy. You know, when I fell away from the Lord, I did things so easy. I wouldn't dream of doing now. If it's easy for you to sin, you're not seeing something. You've got your x-ray vision off. I could go on. I, I don't have time to read all these scriptures. There's so many of them. Ephesians 2.5 says, Even 
when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. There's nothing you did to make this happen. There's nothing you did. We receive it as a gift. It's called the gift of righteousness. It's called the gift of salvation. It's called the gift of eternal life. Nothing you did. It's a gift of God's grace. You were made alive. So let me ask you, so since you've been made alive, why would we continue to walk in death? Who said that? Yeah, that's one reason. Ignorance, of course, ignorance. You don't have your x-ray glasses on. You don't have your x-ray vision on. You're not seeing who you are. You're not seeing what a privilege it is. And you don't even see the damage of the sins that you commit, how they damage you. They damage your family. They damage society. You know, no man is an island. We heard that before. Everything you do has an effect on somebody else. I've done things that had a negative effect on people. Thank God for forgiveness. We're not an island. When you're not praying, you're affecting somebody. When you're not leading your family to follow Christ, you're affecting somebody. When you're not seeing who you are and you're not fulfilling your purpose, you're affecting somebody. Someone say amen. amen. No man's an island. We need to get our x-ray vision on. And then this is a powerful one. And I, I, I don't know if anybody here has a, a, a good grasp of this one. In Ephesians 2, 6, it says, And we were made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? We were made to sit with him. Anybody have a consciousness of what that might mean? It means right now, believer, no matter how weak you think you are, no matter how much you look at your past and your failures, you are in union with Jesus Christ right now by what he did. He made you sit with him. I think sometimes when we pray, we pray from an earth position like this. Oh, God, way up there. Instead, if we really had x-ray vision on, we'd be praying looking down. We're seated with Christ where? In heavenly places. Colossians 3.3 says the same thing. It says you've been raised up and seated with Christ. You're connected to God. So if we really were praying right, if we really had an understanding, if we had our x-ray vision on, we would be saying, wow, I'm praying like this. The next verse that I handed out says you're a king and priest. One translation says you're a kingdom of priests. When you have your x-ray vision on, we start praying as a king and a priest. Kings give commands, priests make intercession. But you got to have your God goggles on. You have to see these things in the spirit. And I truly believe they come to those that are hungry. Am I making that up? And he made us kings and priests to his father, to his God and father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. I won't even go into the sickness thing. I, I got a sermon coming on that. What, what Jesus did for our bodies and his death, burial, and resurrection. You can study it more. God has more for us than we've ever imagined. And folks, it's not about perfection. It's not about crossing every T and dotting every I. I was talking to a guy at the post office this week. He, he was limping, and I wanted to pray for him. He's limping, you know. 
Maybe some of you don't do that, but I, I, I'd like to. And he was limping, and he'd come across, and I said, hey, hey, brother, what's going on? He'd stop and talk to me. Kind of had a red nose. I don't know if he drank a lot. <laughs> you know, he had that look about him. And um, he started talking to me, and I asked him about his walk with the Lord. So I gave him one of those little cards, and uh, he didn't believe in the Lord. In fact, a few times, I th he thought he was getting angry. His volume went up. And I knew he wasn't mad at me, Jeff. I had never done anything to the guy. I could tell he was angry at God. And uh, he had been a Christian when he was young, and he had said, I, I went into youth group, and I think I just followed the Lord because I went to youth group and all this. But he went on to tell me that he had five years of Bible college. I said, well, it doesn't sound like you were just in the youth group to me. <laughs> five years of Bible college. And he told me about this church he went to <clears throat> that he loved. He loved the church. And I'm like, what happened? And then more or less he told me, and again, I'm telling you this because I want you to know my heart, and I felt the heart of God for him, that what I believe was nonsense, you know, unscientific, whatever it was, he'd throw in this stuff. And the whole time I'm talking to him, I literally, literally impostured almost in tears. Because I realize his peril. This man has been lied to. He's been deceived. He's been cheated. Somehow in his faith, he's been cheated out of his walk with God. And he's in peril for eternity. And all I felt with him, and I'm telling you, he raised his voice a little bit. He wasn't a happy camper that I was talking to him. But he didn't go anywhere because he wanted to tell me his, show me his anger. I felt the love of God for him. And Jeff, before he left, I said, well, can I pray for your, your, uh, your leg? Can I pray for your, no, he didn't want me to. And then I, I genuinely thanked him, truly thanked him for listening to me. I said, thank you for listening. I was very kind of you, given your beliefs that you sat here and listened. Mostly he did the talking, to be honest, but I felt no, I felt nothing for him but the love of God. I felt nothing for him. And he had told me, he had even prayed to God for a sign. And God never gave him a sign. I wanted to say, here's your sign. <laughs> that was that Jeff Foxworthy? Here's your sign. You know, can I pray for you? Wouldn't have been something if he let me pray for him and God would have touched his, touched his leg. The word says the children of God are for signs and wonders. Did you know that? That's what it says. It says we're for signs and wonders. Let me go on. I'm, I'm coming to a conclusion, which means this is my first landing. We turn into the book of Revelation. Now, we've seen the picture, the photograph of Jesus, and we've seen an x-ray, and I pray that you study these x-rays. Paul's letters are great letters regarding the x-rays of Jesus. What, what happened in the cross? What happened in the death? the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I pray you read, but you flip over to Revelation again, and it says, I saw one like the Son of Man clothed. His head and hair were like uh, white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had, and it goes... Uh, you can read more. And his countenance was like the sun shining in strength. And when I saw him, I fell at my feet 
as dead. Well, there's a little different picture of Jesus in there. The lowly carpenter. A little different picture, isn't it? That was the resurrected, the glorified King, Son of God, who we will and all stand before one day. The Christian is blessed because we're going to stand before, I believe it's called the Bema Seat. The Bema Seat's where the church gets judged for what we did with the gospel. It's not an eternal heaven or hell thing. If you follow the Lord and you stayed faithful in your faith to the Lord, you're not going to be judged to eternal damnation. But you are going to be judged, the Bible says, by what we did with our life. How many knows inside you're going to be judged one day? Let's be honest. Anybody, don't you just feel, don't you just, I know it, and I'm telling you, I don't feel like everything's just okay. I still feel like I'm making adjustments to this day, like, Lord, I need to make some more adjustments, because I'm going to stay. I'm not afraid to go to hell. I know that you're love. I know that you love me. I, I'm secure in your love, but I, when I face Jesus, I, I want you to say, well done, well done, son, rather than say, man, Brad, you missed the boat. You got caught up in all these distractions. You ran too much. I don't want to hear God say that. I want him to say, well done. We are going to stand because John stood before him and Jesus is a king and he's in charge and he's glorified and he's holy and he's righteous who I really, my heart goes out to are those that are going to stand at the white throne judgment and they're going to stand before God and they're going to try to tell God, well, I was a good person. I was a good person. And the holiness of God is going to be shining. His perfection and brilliance and holiness and all of our sins and selfishness would be exposed before God and we're like, I wasn't that holy after all. That's the White throne judgment. I don't want to be at that judgment. And that's not God's intention for anyone here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him would not perish, but they would have eternal life. And I know we, I know we don't like to read it, but in verse 36 of that same chapter, it says that those that reject him, the wrath of God abides on them. God's holiness will, will come, and God's judgment will come. That's not what God wants, and that's not for the church. Again, the church has escaped judgment, but if we're outside of the righteousness of God, we'll answer for our life. And then I want to read one more scripture, then I'm, I'm wrapping up. It says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like him. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? And I want to say, when we see him face to face in perfection, we're going to be like him. The Bible says God brought many sons to glory. That's going to happen. But in this life, God's intention for all of us is that we would be transformed more and more into that likeness right now. More and more, looking like Jesus. Hey, what's wrong with looking like love? What's wrong with looking like joy? What's wrong with looking like peace? What's wrong with loving your enemies? Huh? Even if it makes them mad. No, they can't. 
There's nothing wrong with it. So I have, I have a couple things I want to pray for with you today. And Gideon, I don't know if you want to sing, but before we do, I, I guess I'm going to ask you if you could, just for a minute. It's 2 till 12. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give a call. First of all, I do want to pray for marriages. If you need prayer in your marriage, but, you know, or, or you need prayer for anything, I want to pray for that. Linda, I want to pray for you. And I, I, there's another. I, I'll probably have to pray, pray with her afterwards. If you don't know the Lord, and you don't know that you're going to stand before the Bema seat, and you've never made peace with God, if you don't have peace with God, could be no one here, could be one or two, it could be, I, I don't know. But if you don't have peace with God, I want to open the altar up, and I want to pray for you. Maybe there's no one here like that. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to do this in two steps. I'm going to make it easy for you. I want everybody to close their, their eyes and bow their head. I'm going to ask you to come to the altar, but you say, Brother Brad, I don't have peace with God. I do not know my eternal destination, and I don't want to leave here today not being right with God. I don't want to stand before the white throne judgment of God and answer for my life. I'd much rather be before that beam of seat looking at Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. And don't be afraid. Is there anybody? It's not about me. It's about you and Jesus. So anybody like that? Let them know, Lord. If you believe in eternity, this is serious business. You've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. 